At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Kurt McDonald. I am uh, one of the pastors here at the church, and it is uh, my great privilege uh, to bring to you this morning God's holy, inspired, uh, and inerrant word. <clears throat> well, we live in confusing times, do we not? We live in confusing times in a, in a confusing world, uh, in a confusing society. It's, it's confusing politically. The, the, the right hates the left, the left hates the right, and there's no room in the middle. It's, it's confusing nationally as, as this nation rises up to war against this nation and the people are building up nuclear arms and, and signaling maybe the end of it all. It, it's confusing uh, globally as this group over here says that climate change is going to destroy everything and this group over here says oh, it's really not that big of a deal at all. It's confusing. It's, it's a confusing world in which we live in. I mean, and that's, that, all that stuff I just said, that's the big scary world out there. What about our own confusing lives? What about job security? What's, what's going to happen with your health? What's going what's to happen with your children and their future? Is this not a confusing world in, in which we live in? We, we live in a time where we're concerned about the future. We are a people that are worried about the future. And, and maybe if you weren't, maybe everything I just said, now you are worried about the future. <laughs> We're a people that, that's, that's worried about the future. And so we've, we've gathered here this morning in this confusing world to hear good news. Amen? Amen. We, we live in a confusing world, but, but they're standing in the midst of all the confusion is a biblical reality. Amen? In the midst of all confusion, there is a biblical reality. In the middle of all of our concerns over future events, as we fill with anxiety over the future, there stands a biblical reality. And here it is, church family. Go ahead and write this down. The future belongs to God. Amen? The future belongs to God. The day of the Lord will come, and of this we can be certain. The future, the future belongs to God. And so who knows what's going to happen? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It, you look out there, it's scary, it's worrisome. You, you, you look even at your own life and your own issues and your own problems, and it's also scary and worrisome. But here's the thing. The future belongs to God, meaning that not even one nanosecond, not even one millisecond of what's going to happen in the future is not under the sovereign hand of God. The future belongs to God. The day of the Lord will come. What, what, is, what does that mean? What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 31 through 34. Just listen to what Jesus has to say. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, 
Man, the Son of Man, he's calling himself. This is Jesus' favorite title for himself, the Son of Man, referring back to Daniel chapter 7. Go read that this afternoon. You will be blessed if you do so. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, all you who are blessed by my Father. This is insane. Listen to what he says next. To to those who are blessed by the Father, what do they get? They inherit the kingdom. (laughs) The kingdom of God. This is what happens to those who love Jesus and follow Jesus and give their lives to Jesus. In the end, when he returns, he gives to us all the kingdom. We rule and reign with him over all creation. That's what's coming. That's what's next. I, I don't know what's going to happen with politics. I don't know what's going to happen with the, with the climate. I don't know what's going to happen with other nations warring against each other. But here's what I do know. All of human history is driving directly towards this one moment when Jesus returns. Amen. The future belongs to God. Jesus will return. And, and of this, we can be certain. No matter what happens, no matter what political power, no, no matter what country goes to war, no matter if you lose your job or you get promoted, if your health declines or, God forbid, something happens to your children, the future belongs to God. The day of the Lord will come of this. We can be certain. Now, let me, let me just tag on a big disclaimer here. We're, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. And as we talk about this, we must keep this in our minds. Jot this down. God's sovereignty and his imminent return does not make us idle or lazy, but calls us to strive toward the kingdom expansion with confidence. (laughs) As we say, the future belongs to God. God's sovereign hand is over the future. He could come back at any moment. We don't then shift into idleness and laziness. Well, I mean... God's got everything under control. I'm going to go take a nap. I mean, in a, in a, in a sense, you can say that, but it, but it doesn't make us idle. It doesn't make us lazy. Rather, we understand that on that coming day of the Lord, what's only going to be left is the kingdom of the Lord. He slays his enemy. He, he destroys all other nations. And what happens is he sets himself up as king over all, as ruling and reigning over everything, everywhere. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And so it, it makes no sense to build your life or to build monuments to anything other than King Jesus. So the imminent, the sovereign hand of God in his imminent return does not force us into idleness, laziness, not doing anything, to just let go and let God. Absolutely not. It drives us. It pushes us to get after it, to build the kingdom, to invite people to church so that they hear the gospel, to to minister the gospel to our children, to serve the needy and the poor, and and to reach out to people who are not like you, who are different than you, so that we can show the world that we're united under the banner of Christ. We build the kingdom. We build the kingdom. That's, That's what we do because God is sovereign, because his return is imminent. Okay. If you're, if you're a big idea person, here's what I want to do. I want to I give you the big idea um, of the text, and then, then, then we're going to begin just to, to walk through. So here is the big idea of the text, if you're taking notes. Live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, okay? That's the big idea of our text today. Live today 
like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Peter is reminding them. He wants to remind them. He says, I want to remind you. I want to stir up your sincere mind by way of reminder. he's, He's driving us to think a certain way. He wants to remind us of the second uh, coming of Christ. Just, just, pay, just take a peek. We're not even there yet, but just take a peek. Uh, he, in, in verse 1, he says, In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, verse 2, that you should remember. He wants you to remember. He's, he's, he's pressing your mind towards something to think on the second coming of Christ. Why? Why does he want to remind them of the second coming of Christ? He wants them to remind them so that they will think a certain way and so that then they will live a certain way. That, that by way of reminder, it's going to press them into doing something. Uh, okay, here's an example. Um, you're sitting on the couch. It's Wednesday night. Your wife says, hey, don't forget, it's trash night. She's reminding you that it's trash night. What she wants you to do? Take a, she wants you to get up and go do something. That's exactly what Peter's doing. He's reminding us. He's reminding us. Why? So we'll get up and go do something so that we'll live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Peter's deep desire, which we're going to discover in the text, is this. Peter's desire is for them to be able to say, what I'm doing today is exactly what I would be doing if I knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow. What I'm doing today is exactly what I would be doing if I knew Jesus were coming back tomorrow. Can you say that, church family? Now, it's easy to say that today. It's Sunday and y'all are in church, okay? It's easy. Oh, yeah, I'm doing today what I'll be doing if Jesus comes here. I am in his house worshiping. Can you say that on Monday? Can you say it on Tuesday? Can you say it on Wednesday? Can, can you say what I'm doing today is exactly what I would be doing if I knew the Lord Jesus was coming back tomorrow? Okay, we got to get to the text. Y'all got me preaching. We ain't to the text yet. We got to get going. Let's do, uh, let's do this. Let's take a look at the text from, from 30,000 feet, okay? Um, that's what we like to do. We like to, to get a big idea of the text, and then we're going to get down into the text and go through it line by line. Can we do that, church family? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, here's what we have. He, he, he's winding down the letter at this point, okay? He's winding it down. He's coming to the, to the conclusion, and, and he's just drawing us back to the reason why he's writing. Why, why is he writing this letter? I mean, he, he sat down at his desk, or, or, or maybe he dictated it and somebody else wrote it down, but, but he put in the time and effort to do that. Why? What's the reason for writing? Because he wants us to remember. He's reminding us, reminder, reminder, remember this, remember this, that the, that the, prop, the holy prophet said that Jesus was going to come back. Jesus himself, the commandment of the Lord and Savior, that Jesus himself said he was going to come back. And then the apostles, they said it too. He wants us to remember that Jesus is going to return. Now, as soon as he writes this down, Peter anticipates a response. He anticipates that, that somebody is going to be throwing shade. Okay, he anticipates that somebody is going to have an argument to make. And so here is the common objective. Jesus is coming back. Okay, but, but then these, these people here, these scoffers, the scoffers are going to come. And, and what they're going to say is that uh, where is the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's what he's saying. That's what they're going to say. Now, what he does next is he skillfully, carefully dismantles that idea. He, he dismantles their, their argument. He dismantles their, their common objection by two lines of evidence. The first line of evidence is this, that the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Now, how does that dismantle their argument? Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. 
His second line of evidence is this. The world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Second line of evidence. And, and we'll, we'll discuss why those two things destroy the false teacher's argument. Then this conclusion, this terrifying conclusion, this sobering conclusion, he ends this, this thought with. Here it is. By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Okay. Everybody got the text? You got it? Okay, let's, let's dive into it and get to work this morning. I'm excited to get into this text. Are you excited with me, church family? Okay, here we go. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is now the second letter. <clears throat> okay, what was the first letter? Maybe 1 Peter, maybe not. Uh, he could be referring to another letter uh, that we don't have preserved for us, but we do have 1 Peter preserved for us, so it's, it's best to assume that he's referring back to 1 Peter. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them, in both of them. Here, here's, here's my goal. Here's what I'm trying to do. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, by way of, of reminder. And another way, if you go back and, and do your, your Greek work, he, he's saying that, that stirring up of your sincere mind, he's saying, I want you to have uncontaminated thinking. I want you to have uncontaminated, uncontaminated from the world, uncontaminated from the false teachers. I want your mind to be stirred up and, and sharp as a knife. That's, that's how I want your mind to be as you remember or as you think about the second coming of Christ. I'm stirring up your mind. Now, now this letter is about false teachers, but it's not to false teachers. So he's reminding who? He's not reminding the false teachers. He's reminding Christians. He's reminding, he's reminding a group of people that if you had a piece of paper and you wrote, uh, Jesus will return, and you've got a box there, and if you believe Jesus will return, you check the box. Everybody in the room reading that letter would have said, yo, Jesus is coming back. Check the box. So why does he remind them? Well, because they need to be reminded. <laughs> Just, just like us, right? Just like us forgetful people, they all are, also are forgetful people. It, it's hard to remember that Jesus is coming back when you're balancing your checkbook and it's just not adding up. It's hard to remember that Jesus... When, when your kid is going nuts in the grocery store, now, you know, later on you might wish that Jesus would have come back right then, but it's hard to remember that Jesus is going to return when your kid's going nuts in the grocery store. It's, it's hard to remember that Jesus will return when you and your spouse disagree and you just can't find a resolution. It's hard to remember that Jesus is going to come back. It's hard to remember as, as you wake up and go to work and pay your bills and eat supper and go to sleep and wake up, go to work, pay your bills. It's hard to remember. So, so he's so desperate. He's so desperate. Keep, keep, keep this on your mind, Peter's saying. Please, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Don't forget that one day the clouds will be rolled back like a scroll and Jesus will return. That the trumpet is going to sound and, and he's going to descend with all of his mighty angels. This is going to happen, people. Don't forget. Please, please, don't forget. In addition, he's reminding them. Not just so that they will say, oh, yes, thank you for reminding me, but so that their lives will be transformed. He wants them to remember so that they'll think a certain way and so that they will live a certain way. They'll live like Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to come back tomorrow. And, and, and like any good preacher, he's repeating himself. 
That's, that's what good preachers do, right? They repeat themselves. Just, just listen to, uh, to this from, first Peter, or from 2 Peter chapter 1 in this very same letter. Listen to this in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in them. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon. He's saying, I'm, I'm kicking the bucket soon. I'm out of here. As the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to recall these things. I want to remind you. I want to remind you again. And I want to remind you again. And then just in the next chapter, he's like, oh, hey, hey, don't forget. I want to remind you about this. He, he wants this at the top of our minds that Jesus is going to return. Take a look at verse 2 in our passage. I'm stirring you up to see your mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. I want you to remember that the prophets said it. Jesus is going to come back. I want, you, I want you to remember that Jesus himself said it, and I want you to remember that the apostles said it. That, that's, that's what he's saying. Well, well where, where do the Old Testament prophets talk about the return of Jesus? Well, we could be here all afternoon if you want to talk about that. I, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just read you two. Isaiah 25, 8 through 9. He will swallow up death forever. Just... Let that sink in. Can, can you even imagine a world where death doesn't exist? That's going to happen. There will be a world where death doesn't exist. The, those of you who understand the pain of, of a miscarriage, those of you who understand the pain of losing a child, those of you who understand the pain of losing a spouse, those of you who understand the pain of losing your parents or your grandparents, there is a world coming where death is swallowed up. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all of our faces, and the reproach of his people will be taken away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God, and we waited for him. Are you waiting for him? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him. We waited for him that, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Or how about Malachi chapter 4? Verses 1 through 2, it says this, For behold, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise, listen to this, this is so beautiful, with healing in its wings. Are you wounded today? Are you broken today? There's a day coming that, that has healing for you on its, on its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Any country people in here? You ever seen a calf leap from a stall? Them jokers are happy. They are very happy. And, that, and that's what we're going to be like. That's what we're going to be like. You see, Christians and non-Christians alike both share the belief that one day the world will come to an end. That's, that's a shared belief. Scientists look in, at the sun and they say, well, eventually that's going to burn out and the entire universe will be cold and dark. Um, uh, other people say, well, with all this you know, nuclear armament, we're going to blow each other up and the whole thing's going to be over. 
See, see, Christians and non-Christians both alike believe that the world will come to an end. But what the Bible says is that it will not be decisively caused by nature or humans, but that it will decisively be an act of God at the exact moment that he has planned. That's what Christians believe. That's what Christians believe. So what he says in verse 2, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. What, what was the commandment of Jesus concerning his return? Wait, watch, wait, watch, wait and watch. Live holy lives, go make disciples and wait and watch. Go make disciples and wait and watch for my return. That's the commandment of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given to us through the apostles. Note the, the line and lineage to which we receive this message. Where did it come from? The Old Testament prophets told us all about it. Then Jesus, it was handed over to Jesus, and Jesus embodies those prophecies and, and, and fulfills them fully and completely. And then it's passed off to the apostles, and then passed off from the apostles to the early church fathers, and from the early church fathers all the way down the line and lineage through the history of the church to us, this great message of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. He, he, know, he knows. He knows that as soon as these people make a stand for Jesus and they say, we're going to live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, people are going to make fun of them. People are going to scoff at them. They're, 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 they're going to say that they're simple-minded and foolish. They're, they're not taking a true account of what's actually going on in reality. If you, and I'm telling you the same thing. If you make a stand for Jesus Christ, if you live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, people are going to think you're insane. They come, they come scoffing, Peter says. They, they, these scoffers come scoffing. And what he says is it's, it's a sign of the last days. Oh, that when scoffers come scoffing, it's a sign of the last days, and, and scoffers were scoffing in those days. So is Peter saying he's living in the last days? Huh. Okay, who, who in here grew up in the church? Anybody grew up in the church? Okay. When I, when I was coming of age in the church, the, the big debate was, uh, was about eschatology. That, that, that was the big debate, right? Um, the, the eschatology, uh, is the, the eschaton meaning the end of things, eschatology, the study of the end times. And, and it was kind of moved into the, the spotlight by a very popular series of books called Left Behind and, and the movie with Kirk Cameron. All the Christians were excited because we got Kirk Cameron on our team. You know? <laughs> and and, the, and that, was, that was the discussion. Everybody wanted to know, is, is this the end times? They, they had their, their Bibles open. They had their newspapers open. And they were looking at all the current events happening and, you know, politically and nationally. And they were looking at their Bibles and trying to make them... They missed the theological fact. The eschaton, the, the end of, the, the beginning of the end began at the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when the end times began. And they carried through, through the apostle, the time of the apostles, and on down through church history and church family, we are still living in the end times. Like the end times to us seems to be taking a really long time. And, and don't, don't you worry. He, he, addre he addresses that in, in, in verse 8, but I'm, I'm not going to preach that verse. That's not my verse to preach. We're, we're, i got to stay in my text. He, he addresses the, the length of time. 
uh, there. But we are, we're still living in the end times. Now, what exactly are these, these scoffers saying? Look, look back at verse 3. He says, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. This is actually a very modern argument. So all, all of the, the smarty, you know, modern people who, who think they're, you know, oh, we, we've evolved away from religion and we don't need it anymore. And we've got all these really nifty new arguments. No, you don't. <laughs> they're right here, right? These, the, how, what exactly are they arguing? Well, they are claiming that natural law governs the universe. That's their argument, Right. What, ever since the fathers fell asleep, the fathers meaning the prophets and the, you know, the, the apostles by that point who had been martyred, ever since the fathers fell asleep, the, the sun comes up in the morning. And, and at night, the sun goes down. We, you go to the beach, the tide comes in, the tide goes out. The universe is governed by natural law. Isn't that a very modern argument? They're saying Jesus is not going to come back because the universe is, is guided by Natural law. What is their evidence? Well, years have passed and God has not shown up. Right? Day after day, year after year, month after month, decade after decade, no Jesus. You said he was coming, no Jesus. The apostles, the prophets, they died, no Jesus. What, what, what gives? So obviously he is not going to return. You see, the, <laughs> the false teachers, their great problem was they failed to realize that the laws of nature belong to God. And, and if God were to take his hand off of the laws of nature, uh, the entire world would spin into chaos immediately. They, they missed that. They missed that. Okay. That's their argument. Again, their argument being natural law governs the universe and years have passed and God has not shown up. Now, let's, let's watch how Peter carefully yet masterfully dismantles their argument. Verse 5. For they deliberately overlook this fact. <laughs> he, he begins by saying, they're, they're intentionally ignoring the truth. That's, that's what these false teachers are doing. They're intentionally ignoring the truth that Jesus is going to come back. Now, why would someone intentionally ignore the truth? Because they don't want it to be true. They don't want it to be true because that means they would have to turn authority of their life over to Jesus. This is why people walk away from Christianity, ignore Christianity. It's because they intentionally ignore the truth. See, if you're, if you're taking notes, jot this down. The reason many people do not believe is not because Christianity is not true. It is because they do not want to believe that it is true. Because if they believe that it is true, then they have to give their life over to Jesus. They have to give their sexuality over to Jesus. They have to give their money over to Jesus. They have to give their family over to Jesus. They have to give their life over to Jesus. And they do not want to give authority to Jesus. They want to maintain authority themselves. Therefore, they, they deliberately ignore the truth. So he says, for they deliberately overlook this fact. Okay, here it is. Line of evidence number one. That the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Okay, we're, we're jumping back in the Old Testament. Y'all still with me this morning? Okay, we're jumping back in the Old Testament. Here's, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about Genesis 1. We, we all know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit hovered over the face of the 
Waters, you, you guys, man, y'all are good. Y'all are real good. Y'all are Bible students, man. So, so he's talking about that, that particular time. He, he jumps us way back into, into Genesis. Okay, look back at it again. It says, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water. Uh, so th- this is kind of difficult to understand, but, but basically what he's saying is uh, back when God said, boom, let it be, right? He created everything with a word. There, there is the world, and, and there's water, and the spirit is hovering over the face of the water, and then, and then God begins to shape it or form it. He, you know, move that ocean over that way a little. Uh, bring a continent up there. Let's, you know, uh, little mountains, right? Happy trees, you know, Bob Ross type thing. <laughs> Maybe we're going to put these trees over here. We're going to do this thing over there. He, he, he forms it. So it, it's formed out of water. Come back to me now. Y'all, y'all are thinking about the, the Bob Ross afro right now. You've got to get that out of your mind. We've got to get back to the Bible. Um, so, so he's saying that it was formed through water and by water. But more importantly, by water and the word. By the spoken word of God. Look at it in the verse. And the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word. What's he saying? The only reason the world exists is because God commanded it to be so. That's his argument. And if God is so powerful that by his word he can create a world, isn't he also powerful enough to destroy that world with his very word on the day of judgment? That's a good argument, Peter. Good job, bro. That's a good argument. That makes sense. If God is that powerful to, to create it with a word, then he can destroy it with a word on the day of judgment. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> second, <clears throat> second, line, second line of evidence or, or, or his second objection. And by means of these, um, we understand the these in this verse to mean the, the water and the word, right? And by means of these, the water and the, and the word, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Okay, what's he talking about there? The flood, Genesis chapter 6. Uh, again, a, a very simple argument. Um, hey, th- did y'all forget history is what he's saying? D- did you forget your history book? You, what, you leave your Old Testament at home? <laughs> Do you remember the flood? By, by the very word, the very water that created it? You know how he destroyed it? The exact same way, with water in the flood and his word, his command. <laughs> Basically, the argument goes something like this. He's done it before. He's getting ready to do it again. That's, that's Peter's argument as he so masterfully just dismantles their argument. This is the one-two punch from, from Peter uh, debating, coming back at uh, these men. As, as he says, first, he created it with a word. He can destroy it with a word. Second, don't believe me. Remember the flood. It's coming again. Okay. But this, the flood that's coming is different. Remember, because God put a rainbow in the sky and promised to never flood the earth again. And so this is a flood, but it's not a flood of water. It's a flood of fire. Listen to this terrifying, sobering verse. But by the same word, verse 7, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
What happens in the garden? When Adam and Eve sin, sin comes into the world. And not only does it fracture the relationship between man and God, but sin actually distorted the very creation itself. And so what God is going to do on that last and final day is he will come with fire. And, and it's not as if the entire planet is destroyed, as in annihilated. The entire planet is set on fire in a way that it burns hot. And all of the impurities that came in with the sin of Adam and Eve are burned out and the creation is restored. Amen? And he ends with this. On that day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly, those who have rejected Jesus, those who have heard the, the news of the gospel and yet decided not to believe, those who said, that's fine for you, you can believe that, go to your little church and sing your little songs, that's fine for you, I don't want anything to do with it. On that last and final day, God says, okay, I'll give you what you want. You didn't want me, you rejected me, you walked away from me, I will give you an eternity of just that, away from my love, away from my grace, away from my protection. These are hard words, church family. These are hard words. We must not shrink back from them. We must say them through tears. We must say them with, with broken hearts. But we must say them because the word of God says them. And so he wants to remind us of this. That's his aim. That's his goal. To remind us. To remind us that this day is coming. That day when Jesus will separate the, the sheep from the goats. That, that day of judgment. That day of terror. That day when Jesus returns. Not as a simple carpenter. A first century Galilean peasant. But that great day when the sky is split open. And Jesus returns with his army of angels riding on a horse, a sword out of his mouth, coming to slay his enemies and to lift his children up to rule and reign with him. That is going to happen. Remember it. Live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I said it at the beginning, and I just want to say it again. Write it down a second time, a third, a fourth if you need. The future belongs to God. Those of you filled with fear, those of you filled with anxiety, those of you racked with pain about the situation that you're in, hear me, the future belongs to God. Those of you racked with pain and depression and strife, the day of the Lord is coming when he will restore you, when he will heal you, when he will lift you up from the place that you're in, when he will get you out of that painful situation. The day of the Lord is coming, and of this we can be certain. So with all of that, friends, we must do this. Again, live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Look up here, look up here. If you live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, you will not regret it. Amen. You won't. You're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret the Sunday by Sunday you served in the kids' ministry. You're not going to regret that on the day of the Lord. You're not going to regret serving in the tech team. You, band members, listen, praise team. You are not going to regret waking up early on a Sunday morning and getting here before everybody else does. 
You're not going to regret that. You're not going to regret laying hands on other brothers and sisters and weeping with them and praying for them. You're going you're to regret that. You're not going to regret opening up your Bible and learning more about God. You're not going to regret the time that you spent in prayer. You're not going to regret that one minute when you hear the trumpet sound. You will rejoice. You rejoice. I want you to live a life of no regrets, but not like the world defines it. The world says live a life without regrets. What do they mean? They mean go on that vacation you always dreamed of. Live a life without regrets. Get, get out of that, that, that stuffy relationship that you're in and go find your high school sweetheart. Live with no regrets. You know, retire on the beach and live with no regrets. You know, tell your boss he can, you know what, and you go start your own business. Live with no regrets. That's not the way to live with no regrets, church family. The only way to live with no regrets is to live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I want to remind you of that. Peter's reminding us. I want to remind you, what will you do? How will you change? This, this is a call to us to respond. The, the obvious response this morning is, is for you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you are not a Christian, I plead with you. I'm begging you. That day, that terrifying day is coming. Escape the wrath of God. And for all of us who already believe, let us all the more remind ourselves, remind ourselves, remind ourselves, wake up in the morning and live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I want that for you, church family. I want that for you, church family. Well, he concludes in verse 7, but by the same word, just, just slow down and let us read this together again before we close. By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. It is for this reason, it is for this reason that we must, we must live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we come to you with earnest and sincere hearts. We, we pray this morning that, that our mind has been sincerely stirred up by way of reminder that we would live like you're coming back tomorrow. We would live with the certainty that Peter writes of here in the text that if, if, you, if you can create the world with a word, you're coming back to judge the world with that same word and burn it to purify it so that creation is restored. Oh God, we long for that great day. We cry, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Lord, let us say these words with tears and through tears that there is a coming judgment day. Let us say these words with great pain. Let us never treat them flippantly or easily, but let us go out and tell people, tell our loved ones, tell our friends of the biblical realities that are found here in these pages. And Lord, let us long for that great day and live every day like you will return tomorrow. We ask all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of our great Lord and Savior, King Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. 
please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit GospelCC.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.